All right. Uh, good morning, everyone. Today, we're going to be talking about generosity, which is the, the end of our series on gospel culture. And um, I'm both excited and not excited that we're at the end of the series. I'm, I'm not excited because I've really enjoyed going through these things with you all. Um, wait. I'm excited because I've really enjoyed going through these things with you. I'm not excited because now we get to the part where we actually have to start doing these things, right? We, we can't just talk about it and then let it disappear, right? And so I think that it, it would be helpful for us to think about this not so much as the end of this series on gospel culture, but, but hopefully the, the beginning of a, a new period, a new era in the life of our church to where we, we uphold a, a strong, rich, full, vibrant gospel doctrine and also right alongside it, us living it out together in the culture that we have. To where uh, we, we flesh these things out in expressing our neediness with one another by showing humility, by, by expressing vulnerability, and then having those characteristics work themselves out in, in showing honor and generosity and hospitality and kindness to one another. That's what we want to see. It's, it's my hope, and it's the hope of us as elders, because we put this in motion, and it's my hope that it's your hope that we would begin to see the Holy Spirit uh, work these things out in us and produce these qualities, these cultural values in the life of our church. It's not something that we can do on our own, right? Having a sermon series on these topics isn't going to fix these issues for us. We need God to do that for us. And I didn't think about this before we started the series, but planning it out, we kind of plan the series and then, then I leave for sabbatical, um, which I don't like because then I'm not here to like talk and persuade and like try to make these things happen. Instead, I have to rest and trust that God is going to cause these things to happen. And so I'm, I'm excited about that for me, uh, even though it's going to be going to be angsty and painful. Um, and so today we're talking about generosity. So if you would go ahead and open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians. We're going to read chapter 8 verses 1 through 15. If you don't have a Bible, it should show up on the slides behind me. Um, again, that's 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And we're going to read verses 1 through 15. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints, and this not as we expected." But they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urged Titus that as he had started, so should he complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine." For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. 
So now finish doing it as well so that your readiness and desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness." As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. That in it, uh, we learn what you desire of us. That you desire us to be generous people. But, but even more than that, we thank you that your word tells us, your word shows us the generosity that you have shown to us in Jesus. And so we pray this morning that as we, as we talk about generosity, as we, as we look at this passage, um, that you would use your spirit to, to challenge us, um, to move us beyond, move us outside of ourselves, that we would would stop being so self-obsessed and self-consumed. But instead, that we would look to the needs of others. That we would recognize that, that just as Jesus became poor so that we could become rich, that we now have an abundance that we can use to meet the needs of others. Jesus, we thank You for Your sacrifice on our behalf, that You left your Father's side. You left heaven. You came down here. You became poor so that you could redeem us. So that you could buy us into a rich and full inheritance with you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So, 2 Corinthians 8, the first, first thing I want to do is kind of explain what's, what's happening in this passage. It's kind of prompting what, what Paul is talking about. Like during this time, there was a famine taking place in kind of Judea and Jerusalem. And so Paul and his kind of fellow workers took up an in, in offering, a collection, to help meet the needs of the saints in Jerusalem. And so he had, he had already talked to the Corinthians about it, and now he's kind of coming around to, to collect what they promised to give. But first, in in verses 1 and 2, he talks about the Macedonians and kind of how they responded to this call to give and meet the needs of saints in Jerusalem. He says that, uh, he says, we want you to know about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. And then he says that in the midst of of severe affliction and extreme poverty, that's, that's the situation the Macedonians were in, they had abundant joy. So they were facing severe affliction, they were facing extreme poverty, but they had abundant joy. And their abundant joy overflowed, Paul says, in a wealth of generosity. And Paul explains this in verse 3. He says, For they gave not according to their or they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. So some people, some of the Macedonians gave according to their needs, or according to their means, and some gave beyond their means. And Paul is saying that he can he can testify to this. They gave to their own accord. So it wasn't under compulsion. They weren't compelled to give. They gave simply because they wanted to. And that's, that's kind of surprising, right? Because with the first part, when he says that they were in severe affliction, they were in extreme poverty, we would expect them to be people that can't give or don't give or, or aren't able to. But Paul says, verse 4, they were begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. 
So these people, in the midst of severe affliction, in the midst of extreme poverty, begged Paul for the opportunity to give and support the needs of others. So they're, they're eager to give. They desire to give, even in the midst of the situation they're in. And Paul says that beyond this, right, all of this up to this point should be unexpected. It should be surprising. But Paul says something unexpected happened. He says this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. What Paul is saying here is that the generosity of the Macedonians, it wasn't limited to what they did with their wallets and their checkbooks. It went beyond that. They, they gave themselves over to the work. They gave themselves first to God and then also to Paul in this work. And this is important for us to see because just like when we talk about hospitality and how we, we typically limit our understanding of hospitality to having somebody into your home and sharing a meal with them, I think we do a very similar thing with generosity. When we think about generosity, we primarily focus on, we primarily think about what we do with our money. But here's the thing. You can give your money all the time and still not be generous. Right? You can be generous with your money and stingy with your time, stingy with your relationships, stingy with your stuff. Right? Generosity is about more than just our money. It's about us using all that we have, our, our, our skills, our time, our abilities, our relationships, our, our home, our possessions, and our money. Everything we got, everything we are, it's about us using that to be a blessing to others because we recognize that all of it was given to us by God. One thing that I quickly began to realize and learn when we, when we first kind of moved to Hannibal was that me as an individual and our family was, was fully dependent on Believer's Church. Like all, all of my salary comes from the church. And at the beginning, that was really nerve-wracking. I remember going to like a, I think it was like a men's fellowship one night and, and talking to a bunch of people who at the time were like almost all HLG employees and all of them hated their jobs and wanted to move somewhere else. And I came home and told Jen, I was like, everybody's going to leave. Like soon, like it's going to happen. Like they want to move. They want to go somewhere else. I don't know what's going to happen. And like it, it, it pushed me to trust God in ways that I hadn't before thinking like, the food that is on our table this week is, is paid for, is provided for by other people. But then I realized that that's what was actually happening my whole life. Right? Even when I was in banking and, and worked for a living, um, that was still all provided by God. Right? He, he gave me that opportunity. He, he put me in that position. And so all that we have, Right? Whether you're in full-time ministry or, or have a real job, uh, all that we have is given to us by God. And whether we're talking about our money, our finances, whether we're talking about our homes, whether we're talking about uh, our, our families, our, our stuff, the, the, our personalities, our gifts, our abilities, everything that we have at our disposal, we are given as stewards of God's resources that we might be generous with it. And so don't just think about generosity as what you do with your money. The Macedonians got that, and they gave themselves to God and also to Paul in this work. They poured themselves into it. They were all in on it. In verse 6, Paul shifts from, from talking about the Macedonians to talking to the Corinthians. 
he says he, he wants Titus to go and kind of complete this work. He, he started this work a year ago, kind of getting them ready to, to raise money for this collection. And then he kind of sends Titus to close the deal. And he says that he, he wants them to finish, the end of verse 6, he wants them to finish this act of grace. And when we think about generosity, it's very important for us to think about it in these terms. It is an act of grace. It's not something that we can do on our own. It's not something that we have the ability to do. We can, we can give money away, but it's not generosity unless it's something that's a work of the Holy Spirit in us. Because if it's not that, it's not generosity. It's, it's us trying to right, give to look good. There's some sort of mixed motives in it. The Spirit can produce generosity in us. And it's an act of grace because we're not giving away anything that hasn't already been given to us. So Paul is sending Titus to the Corinthians to kind of complete this work. In verse 7, he says, he's going to encourage them a little, right? He's, he's built up the Macedonians and now he's going to build up the Corinthians. He says that they excel in everything, in, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness. They excel in, in the love that they have with other people and their relationship. But he says, see that you excel in this act of grace also. He wants them to excel in generosity as well. Then he says, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. So generosity is not something that can be commanded, can't be compelled or coerced. It's something that's a free act, right? God loves a, a cheerful giver. And so we're not commanding each other to be generous, right? We're asking the Spirit to produce in us a heart of generosity, one thing that we've repeatedly said as we've gone through this series is that we don't want gospel culture just to become a new law, a new legalism, where we you know, start to check these boxes off and ask if we're doing these things. It's something that we want to be a heart change within us. It's an attitude that God's Spirit needs to work out in us because of what Jesus has done for us. Generosity can't be compelled. It needs to be created in us by God's Spirit. Um, it happens when the Spirit does that. And so Paul is is asking them to be generous, but not telling them they must be. He says, why in verse 9? This is the, the reason for generosity. This is why it's important. This is why we want this to be a cultural value of our church. This is why we want to be generous people. Verse 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty, might become rich. We should be generous. Being generous matters because Christ has so shown us such generosity because he became poor so that we could become rich. He has shown us generosity. He gave up his riches. He gave up heaven. He gave up unbroken relationship with his father so that he could come down here and become poor so that we, so that I, so that you could become rich. That's why generosity matters, because Jesus is our example in it. And when we show generosity, right, when we give away what's been given to us, we are pointing other people. We are modeling for them what Christ has done for us in the gospel. That's why this matters. That's why it's a value that we want our church to hold high, because if we're not being generous, there is part of the gospel that we're not showing to people. It's part that we are keeping back for ourselves. And we're called to be generous with all things, especially with the gospel. So we want to, to follow Jesus' example and, and show generosity. Become poor so that others might become rich. Right? It's an act of grace because it's one of the ways in which Jesus has modeled for us the grace of God. 
that He has shown us. Even though Paul isn't compelling them to give, he wants them to know it's beneficial. In verse 10, in this matter I give my judgment. He's not commanding them, he's just saying, here's my opinion, here's my judgment. This benefits you. It's a good thing to show generosity. And then he says, who a year ago, this is Corinthians, a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. I think that's helpful because a lot of times we talk about, right, should, should, we, should we do things like, I, 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 I know I should read my Bible, but I don't really feel like reading my Bible today, so should I read my Bible or is that legalism? Well, sometimes I think we can not only start to do things but start to desire to do things. Right? Sometimes the way we become more generous, the way we desire to show more generosity is just by showing generosity. That's what the Corinthians did. A year ago, Paul says, they, they started not only to do it, but also to desire to do it. Those things can work hand in hand, and we need the Spirit to do that in us. Right? It's a way in which we walk in the good works that God has prepared beforehand for us in Jesus. And he explains how they should give, right? If the readiness is there in verse 12, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. So don't feel like you need to give stuff that you don't have to give, right? We're called to be generous with what we have, not with what we don't have. Verse 13, For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. So Paul doesn't want the Corinthians to become overburdened. Right? He's, he's lifted up the Macedonians who were in extreme affliction and poverty, and they gave out of what they have. The Corinthians are in a much better situation, and so they should be giving way more than the Macedonians did because they have an abundance to meet the needs of others. And Paul doesn't want them to become overburdened, though. He wants them to give what they have, not what they don't have. And so don't feel like, right, if you hear a sermon on generosity or stewardship that, you know, you just need to give everything you have away. Maybe God will call you to that. But maybe he'll just call you to sacrifice more than you currently do. Maybe he'll just encourage you that you are being generous with what you have. Right? It's not that we need to become overburdened ourselves. Right? We just need to use the abundance that God has given us to meet the needs that other people have now so that at some point in the future, their abundance can meet our needs. Right? We're in this together. Right? The church is a family, and as a family, we help meet one another's needs because we know that at some point, we're going to be needy too. Right? It's us sharing in this together, showing generosity with one another and with people outside the church as we have opportunity. Paul closes it out with a a quote from the Old Testament. He says, Whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. It's illustrating this concept of out of one person's abundance, another needs are met. That's what we want to be seeing happen. We are called to this culture of generosity because of what Jesus has done for us. Because even though he was rich, he became poor so that he might make us rich. And because generosity is an act of grace, right, it's never about whether or not the person we're showing generosity to deserves it. And that's hard, right, because we want to be the people that get to evaluate whether or not people really need it. We want to be the people that get to decide whether they should really be given to. But think about who you were before Jesus showed you generosity. Would you have passed your test? I, I know I wouldn't have. 
And Jesus gave up so much more to show us generosity. So we can't put ourselves in the place of those who get to determine who gets to benefit from generosity. It is an act of grace. That means the only qualification people need is to be undeserving. So think about people in your life that have needs, that don't deserve to have their needs met. That's everybody. Right? What do we deserve as people who have rebelled against the Holy God? Death. Right? So anything other than death is generosity. All of us are undeserving of generosity, and yet we are called to show it because God has shown it to us. We get to model it for other people. It can't be compelled. It can't be commanded because it's an act of grace. It's something that the Holy Spirit has to produce in us, has to cultivate in us. And so it's something that we need to act, ask him to do for us because we can't do it all for ourselves. Look all the way back up to verse 1. Paul starts this whole conversation with them by saying, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Right? How were they able to have joy when they were in severe affliction? How were they able to overflow with a wealth of generosity when they were in extreme poverty? Because God gave them grace. Because God's grace produced that in them. That's what we need. The only way we're going to have a culture of generosity, the only way we're going to have a culture of, of neediness and transparency and humility and vulnerability and, and be people who show honor and kindness and hospitality and generosity, the only way we're going to do any of this stuff or any of these things or be like these people that we want to be is if God pours out his grace on us. That's what we need to happen. The only way we're going to have a culture of grace is if we receive grace from God. And so, really, what we need is a culture of dependency on God for everything. We need to constantly be people who are asking Him for more and more and more and more and more grace because we know that we can't do anything in our lives without that. Because if we're going to be extending grace to other people, we need to be receiving it from Him all of these things that we are asking God to do in our lives, in our church, in our community, is a result of His grace working in us and through us. And so we are fully dependent on Him for that. This is not something we can do on our own. And so let's ask Him to do this in our church. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that your good news reminds us that we are needy people. That we are unable and incapable of doing what you call us to do without your work in us and through us, without your spirit producing the life that you've purchased for us. 
Thank you that even though we're, we're, we're needy and broken, that, that you set your love on us. That, that you care about us, that we matter to you, that you, you are for us, that you desire good things from us as your people. And because of your love for us, you have sent your grace to us. We pray that out of our neediness, you would cause us to be humble people. That we wouldn't think less of ourselves, but we would recognize our worth as people, as human beings who bear your image. And that that would cause us to see the worth of others. So we would humble ourselves that they might be exalted. Pray that we wouldn't hide behind a false front uh, as those who think they have it all together. That we wouldn't hide in hypocrisy, but that we would, would be vulnerable with one another. That we would confess sins. That we would be open about our neediness, about our brokenness, about our struggles. So that we might grow together so that we might say no to sin as a people and yes to you. We pray that our neediness and our humility and our vulnerability would would create in us a passion to honor others, to be kind and to show hospitality and in that we would overflow in a wealth of generosity out of the abundance that you have given us. Jesus, we thank you that you go before us as our example in all of this. And so we pray that you would, by your Spirit, draw us deeper and deeper into your Word, that we would be constantly reminded of of who you are and who we are supposed to follow as your people. That you've promised to, to be with us always. And so that we pray that you would, by your Spirit, draw us outside of ourselves, out of our comfort zones, out of our sin, out of our selfishness, and out into the good works that you have prepared for us beforehand to walk in. So that others might see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. So that your beauty and your majesty and and your grace and mercy and love would be put on display for our church and for our community. We pray that you would use the people in this room to bring, to, to welcome more and more people into your family. God, we thank you for what you're going to do in us as individuals and for what you're going to do in the life of our church. We pray that we would be able to look back on this summer and know that that you did something 
that, that like Paul can tell the Corinthians, that we would be able to tell others about the work of grace that you did in us so that you will be glorified. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice and pray that you would continue to meet with us this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen.